So number one thing that's on my mind is, is revenue operations and that the current state of what we should expect and what we want to get out of revenue operations versus what we're seeing in practice are two very different things. And I think that lends itself to a ton of opportunity for people that are on this call that to, to think about assuming the strategic responsibilities that a RevOps team should assume but are not assuming right now forecasting and planning, revamping the attribution strategy, setting the actual KPIs that matter in a marketing and sales department, aligning sales and marketing metrics so that the whole business makes sense, that advising the CMO and the CRO about how to deploy the overall budget in places. Like these are core activities that a revenue operations team should be doing but are not doing effectively right now in a lot of the companies that I talk to and, and engage with. And so it's an opportunity for a lot of us to think about how, if I'm a director of demand gen, how do I start thinking at that level and influencing the CMO around those types of topics, not on how we, how, what tactic we run on LinkedIn ads, how we divide the whole $6 million marketing budget, how we should actually measure it, how we know whether or not it's working, when we say what's going to turn off and what's not. I am aware that, and I work with some very smart RevOps people from manager all the way to VP that oftentimes know with the data that stuff that marketing is doing isn't working, but haven't figured out how to package the data, communicate it, communicate why it's happening, and then present an alternative solution about what we should do instead. So the company's just stuck. And so that can be a role for some of the people here and how you step up from being a manager or a director to operating like a VP without the title. When we think about career development, what we want to be doing is operating at least one level above what our title says. And so we're thinking that way. We're doing the responsibilities of that job differently. We're doing the responsibilities of the job above us and thinking about thinking about it that way, we're influencing and working with stakeholders that we would work with at that level. That's how you drive career growth and promotion is always thinking about how do I operate at least one level above where I am right now. I think that's super interesting. And, and revenue operations, I think, has a void right now that many people like us can fill because of how we think and how we look at things and also having experience in marketing, sales, or both. A lot of people that work in revenue operations have never done marketing and have never done sales. So how are they going to help the CMO and the CRO build the sales and marketing strategy? We can do that. So anyway, it's something that I'm seeing and I think there's a real opportunity there for people that want to go in that direction. When you think about what a VP of RevOps should be doing, they should be setting the go-to-market strategy and advising the CMO and the CRO about how to, how to actually build it. So, and that can be a critical role. That could be an executive level role in a lot of companies or reporting into the CRO, being the CRO's, you know, right-hand person. So there's a lot of opportunity there. I'm not sure where I'm going to go on this topic, but it was, it was brought up right before everyone joined, which is basically that a lot of companies are reporting that the reason that they can't shift from a lead gen strategy to a overall demand strategy that involves demand capture, demand creation, and demand conversion is because of challenges with attribution, 
which is totally true. You're, we're, we're not going to be able to shift the tactical things that we want to do from lead gen to other things if all of the all of the metrics and KPIs are around leads with direct attribution or pipeline with direct attribution, what that does is it forces all demand capture activities or at least transactional lead generation activities. And so we always need to think about changing the metrics first. This kind of goes into the RevOps thing that I just talked, even though indirectly, is that the first thing that we need to do is we need to assess what's happening right now, run an analysis, look at all of the things that are happening. I actually posted about this on LinkedIn today. If you're at a big company, I'm positive that the company is wasting at least 20% of the marketing program dollars. So if you have a $10 million a year program budget that you spend on events, digital advertising, partnerships, sponsorships, content syndication, things like that, that at least 20% is being wasted or can't be, can't be measured appropriately, therefore should be deemed being wasted. So being able to go and assess and go and find that, find that waste would then give you a perfect case to say, let's stop doing this. And let's take the 20% and go out and, and create demand or accelerate demand capture programs that have strong pipeline velocity. So it really, it really starts with being level set on the analysis, which then allows us to change the core KPIs. Attribution is going to continue to hold companies up until they think about it differently. Multi-touch attribution, which drives influenced revenue projections. I talked about that last week, but is doing companies no good to shift to that strategy and not look at sourced. You have no sense about practicality and ROI or actual effectiveness of the programs just because you have one touch from a blog and then that account closed nine months later means doesn't mean anything about the ROI of your blog. Another thing that holds companies up and actually making this big shift is that they say, you know, we built this model, we get 50,000 MQLs, we got 50,000 MQLs last year, and we have 40 BDRs and SDRs downstream that are relying on these 50,000 MQLs in order to book the amount of meetings that we need to hit pipeline. If we take the MQLs and focus only on declared intent and move from a lead gen model to a demand model, then we're only going to get 2,500 quote unquote MQLs, which should auto, it should actually be an auto qualify SQL. And we should get rid of the definition of an MQL MQL and SQL should just be the same thing. And then we only have 2,500 of these. And so we have a, we, they have a perceived void of 47,500 MQLs that they win at 0.1%, which equates to, I don't know, four, somewhere between four, probably four and 40 deals. And so in a year, could you figure out how to replace that four to 40 with another, you know, set of declared intent leads that don't, so you don't need the 47,500 MQLs. And you can still have the same amount of overall production from the sales team with 2,500 instead of 50,000. Then you say, okay, with all of the time that those 40 BDRs had that where they were chasing around 47,500 people that almost never buy. And we took all that time from all those people with all those investments. Let's say a BDR gets paid hundred K a year OTE that in a big city, that's definitely at least the number it's, it could be higher at this point. That's $4 million a year, not including benefits and things like that. $4.5 million a year when you fully loaded labor that's being spent on those BDRs. And the sunk cost fallacy that that expense in those MQLs that we can't change because of that, the solution is to focus that team on in-market accounts with outbound. So instead of using MQLs to say, go and get this, go and follow up with this MQL, to look at the accounts that are engaged or considered in market using intent data or whatever you decide to do homegrown 
and then deploy outbound at all of the relevant contacts inside of that account in a multi-channel outbound strategy. And then, but when you understand how many accounts are in market during any period of time, that then drives your BDR, SDR headcount model, which would most likely tell you that you need at least 25% less of these people, but it could be more. And that's sad. Bottom 20% of SDRs are going away when we make this change. But then what happens? CAC gets lower. Sales and marketing alignment gets better. Those low-performing people probably aren't doing anything but like smoking weed in the parking lot and stuff like that anyway. So I think there's a real, I think there's a real opportunity here. But it's it's transitioning away from a lead-based model and to an account account-based model to drive outbound. So I think that like those those are some of the common barriers that companies have, especially more mature companies, right? The company with three SDRs, it doesn't. It's not a big deal. Change, have, get the CEO and the CRO bought in, change the strategy and go. It doesn't matter. When you're a $50 million company and you have 35 BDRs, it's a whole different story because the organization has scaled around high volumes of MQLs and they've built their sales headcount model. They've hired sales and SDRs built around the shitty conversion rates of all those MQLs, which means that they have just way too many people and their most expensive resources, sales and marketing programs, most expensive resources are being spent to run a very, very inefficient machine. So being able to see a, have a company actually see that and acknowledge that is the path to change. Does it change overnight? No, I'm working with a company right now, $70 million company. We're making this change over a six month period of time. So in the first quarter, we have a roadmap of what we're gonna do. In the second quarter that we're working with them, we're gonna start changing the outbound. They already have an ABM platform. They already have intent data. They're already starting to move in that direction. We're going to help them switch from driving all the MQLs to have SDRs go outbound to focus on in-market accounts and then reset the headcount model. And so over like this isn't like something that we're going to put in place in 30 days, but with big, like big companies that have established systems, having a roadmap to transition this over a longer period of time and to manage the organizational change is definitely the right approach. So that's what I got for today. I'll continue to sort of bring some of these things that I'm seeing in real life. I'm these are things that I see with companies that I either talk to about working with us that are currently working with us or that I hear about from my content. So I'll continue to bring these things. Hopefully they are valuable and thought-provoking as a way to get started. And now let's, uh, let's get into the main show of the event.